So, as some of you may know, part of my history is that I trained to be an Anglican vicar. And uh, when, when I was at the, uh, the college, uh, we got visitors from time to time, and they joined us uh, for our act of worship. Uh, and somebody asked me once, what's the worship style in this college? And I answered, newts. Not every week the same. And this morning, I'm going to do things a little bit differently. I'm going to try and do things a little bit more interactively than usual. So I'm going to ask a few questions as we go along. Not too many, two or three. Uh, And the idea is that you answer them out loud. Ooh. (laughs) So let's give it a try. What do these years have in common? Oh dear, it's all going very quiet. If I, I'll, I'll give you a clue that this morning we're talking about Samson and Delilah. What do these years have in common? Oh dear. If I, point, if I, if I tell you that perhaps the most famous among them is 1949... Oh, sorry? Peace? Peace? No, 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 peace. At least got an answer. Thank you very much for that, Austin. Thank you. <laughs> no. I'll tell you that. Big, big pardon? Anniversaries of some sort. No, 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 not quite. Yeah. So the answer is that in each of these years, a movie based on the story of Samson and Delilah, was released. And the most famous one was in in 1949. It was, at the time, the third highest grossing film uh, of all time at that time. So we're going to look today not at the story of Samson and Delilah as romanticized by Hollywood, But what the Bible says in the four chapters about Samson, uh, and once again, they're going to be edited down a little bit uh, for uh, just, you know, for time's sake. So the background of the story uh, is this, that as we heard last week, Moses led the people of Israel out of Egypt uh, where they were slaves and he led them through the desert uh, toward the promised land. And the Bible tells us that Moses died within sight of the promised land and it was Joshua who led the people across the river Jordan into the promised land. And before he died, Joshua reminded the people of the covenant that God had made, which was, in essence, I will be your God if you will be my people. In other words, if you will have faith in me and believe the promises I have made and act accordingly. And by and large, the people did exactly that while Joshua was alive. But back, uh, but the book of Judges in the Old Testament tells us that once Joshua died, the people forgot their promise and they started following other gods. And so started a cycle that's repeated again and again and again in the book of Judges, where the people would sin by following other gods and God would allow a foreign nation to conquer the nation of Israel. 
until things became so bad that the people would cry out to God and God would raise a mighty leader to overthrow the occupying forces and to lead the people back to faith in God. And then there would be a period of peace until the cycle started again. And at the start of the story of Samson, the Philistines were the people who, uh, who had come to remind Israel uh, to, follow, uh, to follow God. And they had been there for 40 years. And the people were so beaten down that they didn't even cry out to God anymore. And that brings us to the beginning of Judges chapter 13. And there it tells us, an angel appeared to a woman who was barren and childless. And the angel told the woman that she would become pregnant and have a son. She was told not to cut the boy's hair and herself not to drink alcohol from then on because her son would be a Nazarite. And we'll come on to that a little bit, little bit later. Uh, and the that her son would launch the nation's deliverance from the Philistines. And when the woman gave birth to her son, she and her husband named him Samson. And as he grew up, Samson experienced the Holy Spirit at work in his life. But then when Samson was a young man, he took a trip to a nearby Philistine town and saw there an attractive Philistine girl. Uh, He came back home and asked his parents to get her as his wife. And his parents tried to persuade him to look for a wife among his own people. But Samson insisted that this Philistine girl was the right one for him. And on their way to see the Philistine girl's parents to see if they could arrange a marriage, a young lion attacked Samson. Samson experienced the Holy Spirit giving him the strength he needed to kill the lion with his bare hands. And then later, when it was time for the wedding, on his way back to the village, uh, to his fiancée's town, Samson noticed the body of the lion he had killed. And he went over to it and found that a swarm of bees had made their home in the lion's dead body. He scooped up the honey the bees had made in his bare hands and ate some. While the final arrangements for the wedding were being made, Samson hosted a feast for 30 young Philistine men. And he set a riddle for them with a bet of 30 sets of fine clothing that they wouldn't be able to solve the riddle within a week. Well, they couldn't solve the riddle. So after three days, they went to Samson's bride to get her to worm the answer out of Samson. And Samson's bride turned on the tears. If you really loved me, she said, you would tell me the answer to your riddle. And on the seventh day, worn down by her tears, he told her the answer. And so... Uh, When she passed the answer on, Samson owed 30 sets of fine clothing because of the bet he'd made. And he went to another Philistine town. And there the Holy Spirit gave him the strength to strike down 30 men of that town and remove their clothes with which to settle the bet. 
That started a chain of events in which Samson's wife and father-in-law were killed by the Philistines. And eventually the people of Israel, with Samson's agreement, tied Samson up and handed him over to the Philistines. But the Holy Spirit gave him the strength to break the ropes and then to use the jawbone of a donkey to kill the thousand Philistine men who'd come to take him prisoner. And after that, the Bible tells us, Samson led Israel for 20 years. So here we have Samson, every small boy's hero, so strong that he could do all these things. Every small girl's nightmare, or perhaps every small girl's mother's nightmare. And that brings us to chapter 16 of the book of Judges, which we're going to turn now and look at in a bit more detail, because it's in chapter 16 that we find the story of Samson and Delilah. But it starts first with another episode. It starts like this. One day Samson went to Gaza, and it's worth noting that Gaza is the capital city of the Philistines. He went to Gaza, where he saw a prostitute. He went in to spend the night with her. The people of Gaza were told, Samson is here. So they surrounded the place and lay in wait for him all night at the city gate. They made no move during the night, saying, at dawn we'll kill him. But Samson lay there only until the middle of the night. Then he got up and took hold of the doors of the city gate, together with the two posts, and tore them loose, bar and all. He lifted them to his shoulders and carried them to the top of the hill that faces Hebron. It's worth noting that some scholars believe the weight of the doors of the city gate was about four tons, and he put these gates on his shoulder. And the distance from Gaza to Hebron by road nowadays is about 50 miles, 80 kilometers. So he carried them for some quite considerable difference, distance. And really, it's kind of equivalent to an act of war. He takes the gates from the Philistines' capital city to the city of such historical importance to the people of Israel. So here we have a man whose birth is foretold by an angel who's got behavior which might be a little bit different. So, question one, what does this story tell us about the temptations raging within Samson? So the idea is now that, you know, you just discuss it uh, at your table for a minute and see how many answers you can come up with. And there's a little clue there that I think there's at least three. (laughs) So, chat to one another. So, who would like to volunteer any answer? Um, He gave in to the temptation of women very easily and was easily manipulated by 
Okay, so, so an, an answer one is women. Yeah, okay, and particularly Philistine women, right? Good. What's any, any other? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it shouldn't, it shouldn't have, have touched, the, uh, touched the dead body of the lion, and we'll come back to that one later. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, so, yeah. There's, so, there's something there about his about his strength. Yeah. Pride, arrogance. Pride, arrogance. Yeah, very good. That, that, let's 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 see what I came up with. So, the, the first one. Yeah, he, he definitely found Philistine women uh, particularly attractive, and and so that was a temptation. Second was he went to Gaza. He went to the capital city of the people who were the oppressing forces uh, for him. Uh, and he spent the night there with a prostitute. He had a thrill for danger. It's not, you know, there was a certain amount of danger in being there, um, as, as the story, as the Bible story tells us. And he loved to show off his strength, didn't he? You know, he carried... He, you know, he could, he, to escape from Gaza, all he needed to do was go out of the door and instead uh, go out the city gate. And instead, he lifted the city gates complete and, uh, and carried them uh, 50 miles or so. So the question is this. What are the temptations within you today? The Bible's very clear about the fact we all sin. And... You know, we all sin as a result of temptations. So what are the temptations within us today? Pride? Bitterness? Laziness? Impatience? Gossip? Something else? Psalm 139 ends like this. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. If you don't know what your temptations are, maybe you should pray that. Search me, God, and know my heart. If you do know what the temptations within you are, Maybe it's a good time to be praying about them and taking them before God and asking God to help you overcome them. Chapter 16 of Judges goes on like this. Some time later, Samson fell in love with a woman in the valley of Sorek, whose name was Delilah. So a very simple question which you won't need to discuss because the answer is immediately obvious. For Samson, what was different about his relationship with Delilah? Right, absolutely. He was in love. Uh, For Samson, you know, Samson loved Delilah. Perhaps for the first time in his life, for Samson, he was entering a relationship out of love. But was the same true for Delilah? 
The rulers of the Philistines went to Delilah and said, See if you can lure Samson into showing you the secret of his great strength and how we can overpower him so that we may tie him up and subdue him. Each one of us will give you 1,100 shekels of silver. So Delilah said to Samson, Tell me the secret of your great strength and how you can be tied up and subdued. So we don't know Delilah's initial motivation for entering the relationship with Samson. But what did Delilah hope to get out of Samson's love for her? Money is one and... Sorry? Position. Position, yeah, fame. So money, 1,100 shekels, is a lot... Uh, some biblical scholars reckon that, uh, that a man's annual income, an unskilled man's annual income at the time, would be about one shekel. Some uh, reckon that inflation took over, and by that time the annual income of an unskilled man would be about ten shekels. But, so in financial terms, Delilah was being offered between 10 and 100 years salary of an unskilled man by each Philistine ruler. So scholars believe that there were at least five rulers of the Philistines. But not only that, Samson was public enemy number one as far as the Philistines were concerned. So Delilah had the opportunity for, to forever have the reputation of being the person who brought about the downfall of public enemy number one. So three times Delilah asked Samson the secret of his strength, and three times Samson gave her false answers. Uh, and each time Samson did... Uh, Sorry, Delilah did what Samson said uh, with men hidden nearby. And then she called out, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. And each of these three times, Samson, Samson showed that his strength was unaffected. And then Delilah said to Samson, how can you say I love you when, you when you won't confide in me? This is the third time you've made a fool of me and haven't told me the secret of your great strength. With such nagging, uh, she prodded him day after day until he was sick to death of it. I've got no comment on that bit. <laughs> so he told her everything. So having told Delilah everything, why did Samson not flee? Yep. That's well, that's one reason. Yep. Thank you for that. And another reason. He tried he did more than trust her, he loved her. Good. When there was trouble with the Philistines in his first marriage, Samson went home to his parents. He left his wife in her parents' house. And that led eventually through a series of events you can read about in chapter 15 to his wife and father-in-law being killed by the Philistines. So Samson had learned his lesson. 
He didn't want anything like that to happen to Delilah, the woman he loved. So he stayed. But also, he didn't see any reason to leave. You see, the Philistines believed that Samson had to be doing something to keep his great strength. But Samson had got to the stage that he believed he didn't need to do anything to keep his great strength. So after putting Samson to sleep on her lap, Delilah called for someone to shave off the seven braids of his hair and so began to subdue him and his strength left him. Then she called, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. He awoke from his sleep and thought, I'll go out as before and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. Then the Philistines seized Samson, gouged out his eyes and took him down to Gaza. Binding him with bronze shackles, they set him to grinding corn in the prison. But the hair on his head began to grow again after it had been shaved. So the next question is, why did, Phili- why did the Philistines not keep on shaving Samson's head? And if it's any consolation, I'll have a go answering this one. You see, by now the Philistines probably realized that Samson had taken a Nazarite vow. They probably knew enough about the people, about the faith of the people of Israel to know what that involved. And first of all, as has already been mentioned, uh, it meant he wasn't allowed to touch any dead body because that would make him ritually unclean. And the riddle that Samson had given revealed that Samson had done that on his way to his first wedding. The second thing is that as a Nazarite, he was not allowed to drink alcohol. But but before his first wedding, uh, Samson had organized a stag do. He'd invited 30 Philistine men to to celebrate his wedding uh, with him. He'd hosted this event. And the chances of it being without alcohol, I would say, are, uh, are fairly remote. And the third thing a Nazarite had to do was keep their hair uncut. But the Philistines had seen to that, thanks to Delilah. And perhaps the Philistines even knew why people would take a Nazarite vow. They took the vow to dedicate themselves for a period, in Samson's case, for a lifetime, to the service of God. Now the Philistines had a god, a god called Dagon. And they knew that if you didn't do what was, uh, what was needed to please Dagon, well, that was it. So why did the Philistines not keep on shaving Samson's head? You see, they had no concept of a god of second chances. But the Bible is full of God giving people a second chance. 
perhaps the most famous one in the New Testament is Peter, who denied Jesus. And God gave Peter a second chance, which he took and he led the church. This church is full of people who will tell you that that is still true today because it's part of their story that God is a God of second chances. We've still got the end of the story of Samson to go. And it's like this. Now the rulers of the Philistines assembled to offer a great sacrifice to Dagon, their God, and to celebrate, saying, Our God has delivered Samson, our enemy, into our hands. While they were in high spirits, they shouted, Bring out Samson to entertain us. And so they did bring out Samson. Then Samson prayed to the Lord, Sovereign Lord, remember me. Please, God, strengthen me just once more and let me with one blow get revenge on the Philistines for my two eyes. And interestingly enough, in the four chapters about Samson, this is the first time that prayer is mentioned. Then Samson reached towards the two central pillars on which the temple stood Bracing himself against them, his right hand on the one and his left hand on the other, Samson said, let me die with the Philistines. Then he pushed with all his might and down came the temple on the rulers and all the people in it. Thus he killed many more when he died than while he lived. In the New Testament, Hebrews chapter 11 lists many people from the Old Testament whose faith made them remarkable. From this series, Noah and Abraham and Moses are all in that list. They believed what God had said. They believed in God's promises. And they acted on these promises. Despite all his faults, Samson is listed among these people. Even though he didn't call the people of Israel back to faith in God, he played his part in God's battle with other gods, with Dagon, the Philistine God. There's lots more I could say about Samson. I just want to say one more thing related to Sunday school theology. The Old Testament is full of people who in some way foreshadow Jesus. As uh, as Godfrey said the other other week, uh, these are sometimes called types. Samson is one. Out of love for someone who didn't really deserve his love, Samson suffered and died out of love for us, none of whom really deserve his love. Jesus suffered and died. The difference is that Samson lost his power because he regarded it as his own, and it wasn't. 
Jesus voluntarily gave up his power, which was his own, to go to the cross. So how will we respond to his love? How will the people we know respond to his love? Like Samson, who took the second chance that God offers. Or like Delilah, who ignored that second chance because she was tempted by fame and fortune. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this story in the Old Testament and how it points forward to your love for us as shown by Jesus on the cross. Help us to reflect on how we respond to that love. Help us to reflect on the opportunities it gives friends and neighbours who don't yet know the love that you have for them. Help us to share the story of that love and the opportunity for second chances with them. And we ask that in Jesus' name. Amen.